and welcome back to the Dreamcast. I am your host, Denise Walsh. I combine science, scripture, and stories that will inspire you to dive deep, break through your own personal glass ceiling, and design a life of your dreams. Are you overworked, overstressed, and overwhelmed? You want life to be different, but you don't even know how to get there. Man, oh man, I lived there myself. And in my experience with working with thousands of people from all walks of life, there is one simple thing that holds so many of us back, a lack of time management. We may know what we want, but we often don't know how to get there and don't feel like we can add one more thing into our already busy day. And that's exactly why I created the Dream Life Action Planner. It's a 90-day inspired game plan that will give you total clarity on your greatest priorities and skyrocket your productivity on the tasks that matter most. And now, for a limited time, you can get your own copy for free. And when you go to denisewalsh.com slash action, denisewalsh, D-E-N-I-S-E-W-A-L-S-H dot com slash action, A-C-T-I-O-N. Put your information in and we will send this action planner directly to your inbox so you can set your goals, reprioritize your calendar, and design your dream life today. Big, big welcome back to the Dreamcast. As you guys know, we thrive in all areas. We can be great moms and great business people and healthy and fit and seriously love our life, but it typically doesn't happen on accident. It happens because we are intentional, because we make decisions about what it is we want our life to look like, and then we take action on those decisions. Our next guest is the founder of Startup You, which is an interactive online learning platform that teaches entrepreneurs how to take an idea or an existing business and turn it into a highly successful and profitable company. We're finding, guys, that as the world shifts to working from home, a lot of people are continuing to say, number one, having a side stream of income, hustle money, right, is is more of an option because we're not commuting, we don't have maybe the ebbs and flows of a typical work day. And it's possible. There's so many ways to make money in this digital world. And he, having founded, bootstrapped, and scaled multiple startups to seven plus figures in his mid to late 20s, excels in taking concepts from idea stage to traction and growth in extremely rapid succession. He is the entrepreneur in residence for Silicon Valley's based accelerator program, Founder Institute. He's also the host of Entrepreneur Hour, a podcast that has trended as high as top five worldwide on iTunes under business and health uh, and education. Entrepreneur Hour is a space where people like you and I, who maybe came from mainstream jobs or the college world that weren't quite taught how to be an entrepreneur, can learn skills, mindset, and build a community, engross ourselves in a community of those who are doing just that. So big Dreamcast welcome to Chris Michael Harris. Hey, thank you for having me. All right. Well, I was not taught to be an entrepreneur in school. Mm. I wasn't. I was I was a really good student. So I came out of school as a really good follower. And when mm. I came into the entrepreneurial space, I had to learn a lot of new things that I hadn't been taught in my primary education. 
I'd love to hear a bit about how you got started as an entrepreneur so young in your early 20s. Yeah, it actually goes back even further than that. It was just my first official business, right, was the one, you know, that we launched and, and scaled to such a degree. So I was slightly different than you to an extent in that I was not a good student for the reasons that I just didn't feel like I was in alignment with that course, right? And 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 I always say this and I always make sure that I qualify it because nine to five never made sense to me, even from a very, like I'm talking like from nine, 10, 11 years old, like I, it just didn't make sense to me. And, and I, and I always make sure that I preface it by saying, I love people that that does resonate with because those people allow me to do what I do well. Right. And so I don't say that to like diminish the significance of that, because honestly, if we were all the way I am, we would be crazy people like this would, this would not work. Right. From even early age, I, I remember, uh, and I've told this story many times, but even from the summer between fifth and sixth grade, my friends were at the pool, hanging out, doing what they did. And I was mowing the lawns of my entire street and I made like $3,000. And so immediately I kept proving to myself that there was an opportunity outside of the conventional nine to five path. My father was, um, he wasn't an entrepreneur, but he was a remote salesperson. And so it, it effectively like felt like entrepreneurship. And I kind of saw, you know, the ability for him to capitalize on his efforts that maybe wouldn't have been otherwise presented in a nine to five capacity. Uh, went on to high school then and kind of had, you know, side hustles and car detailing and all these various aspects that I've learned now is very much emblematic of entrepreneurs that I've interviewed. It's like they all had, like we all did lawn care. We all did car detailing, right? Like There was like a, a tribe of us out there doing that and just didn't know it at the time. Got to high school and kind of more of the same. Started like a lawn care type business, the, the pressure washing, cleaning gutter, stuff like that. Uh, with a friend of mine. And that business ended up doing so well, that quote unquote business, right? We ended up having to hire a bunch of our friends. And I think the, the between my sophomore and junior or between my junior and senior, I don't recall exactly which, I've said it both, so <laughs> don't quote me, but we ended up doing like $16,000 over the course of a summer. One of those and like that, like half of that revenue was actually from a moving request. And that was from an elderly couple, actually from your neck of the woods. Originally they moved from Michigan and they moved to Georgia where I lived at the time. And they just had a really bad experience with your typical big box brand moving company, just broke a lot of their sentimental items and just didn't really seemingly care too much about, you know, caring for their items as if they were their own. So we made $8,000. Somehow we pulled it off. They just wanted a different experience. They ended up hiring us. We had no experience with moving whatsoever. They just thought, well, you know, hey, it'd be great to like build a relationship. They're the same age of our grandkids and, you know, so whatever. So we did that. We hired some of our friends. We did a great job. I get to college and I'm, you know, still doing the side hustles. I'm doing some personal training and this and that and all these things on the side. I had a crazy story. I don't know if we have time to get into it, but a buddy, a mentor of mine was a couple years older than me. He was like 22. I was 20 at the time. We fly to New York the day after Thanksgiving. So Black Friday. And he had a friend that worked at Neiman Marcus in Atlanta that knew somebody that worked at Saks Fifth Avenue, like the Saks Fifth Avenue in New York. And he pulled a bunch of items aside for us. And we bought $43,000 worth of clothes. The kicker was this, on Black Friday, like when things are going out of season, there's huge discounts. So 25 to 50% off. If you spend more than 3,000, it's additional 15 to 25% off. So if you selectively pick your items right, you're getting 75% off. At the time on eBay, things could sell for about 50% MSRP. Men typically are cool. They don't return items because like they, and with with really like designer brands like Brioni or Keton, like they're very known to be like, what you get is what you get. Like the sizing is consistent across the board. So bottom line is this, we doubled up on that money. Like we went for 43,000, we made $84,000. The other kicker was, is that it was one year, no interest, no payments. So effectively he used that to leverage into a multi-million dollar luxury automobile business. And so, so the point is this, Denise, I'm like, I'm seeing all these examples throughout my life, right? Like he effectively made in that two week, three week time span of just flipping clothes on eBay, 
what somebody's annual salary was at 22 years old. And we stayed at the Carlisle in Manhattan. It was like $1,300 a night to stay there. They literally, they looked at us funny when we walked in the door because I think they thought we were there to sell something like, like Boy Scouts or something like that. And it's like, oh, we have a reservation. They're like, what? So it just, it, it's been a bizarre adventure for me in a lot of ways. And around that same time, nearing graduation, really having kind of an identity crisis, not knowing what I wanted to do still. Like all my friends were like interviewing for jobs and, you know, either they had a job or they really had a direction they wanted to go. Like they're going to continue with law school or they're going to go get their MBA, whatever. And I still had no idea. Like I had less of an idea probably than I did when I was in middle school. And now I'm nearing graduation college, right? So anyways, uh, having an eye for opportunity, I saw these girls moving uh, down the hallway at this apartment building that I lived in. It was an off-campus, you know, uh, student housing facility at University of Georgia. And they're struggling. It's one of those fold-out sofas, that the big like iron rod under, like there's really heavy things, right? And they're, they're kind of struggling with it because those things are heavy. So I jump in and, and if I may, I was a young single male. So any opportunity that I had to talk to other females was probably something I was going to try to capitalize on. Um, and so my brother and I just grabbed it and we helped him move it and, you know, get down the hallway and whatever. So the mom tipped us $50 and I'm like, ding, 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 light bulb. Like this is a way we can make money over the summer because wow, that would have taken me like an entire work day with a minimum wage job to make what I just made. And maybe not even that, maybe a day and a half. Right. So we had known, we had a good relationship with the lease office manager. We gave her a flyer and said, hey, if there's anybody else that needs help, just let us know. Well, within 45 days, we moved 30% of that building. Like <laughs> It was just an eruption. I think we made like eight, seven or $8,000 in a very short period of time. My brother had a friend that just so happened to have a grandfather that had a moving truck. So it was totally serendipitous. I graduate. I go on and work for the company my father worked with, which was a you know remote sales job doing that capacity. Meanwhile, I'm coming back on the weekends helping with this moving thing. That next summer, they expanded beyond that building. They did $23,000 in revenue. And here I am driving all over the place, working straight commission. Even if I make a sale, I only get 5% of the, of, of the sale. I'm like, this is crazy. I should just do my own thing. So I, I don't know what came over me, but I decided to quit that bit, that job and took on that business full time. And within a short Probably 18 months from there, it was a multi-million dollar company. We ended up doing, uh, from year one to year two, went from $48,000 to half a million. And then we doubled it into year three to 1.2 million. So it was rampant growth. It had so many ups and downs and crazy stories along the way. But yeah, it, it exploded in very short succession. I love that. Well, they say success is an identity process. And you saw people experience their own success, their own entrepreneurial um, out of the box uh, ways of making money and having fun while doing that. And I think that's what kids need. You know, they need to know that there's way more opportunities outside of being a teacher or a policeman or a fireman. Right. Right? Because that's all they see when they're kids. But I love that. So you saw not just your dad working a commission job. So he, you saw that he was paid on his efforts, but you saw friends, family, and had the inner drive yourself to figure out ways to continue to make more money. Yeah, and it was really it was really scary at that time too because I feel like social media has done a good job now of showing people what's possible. Like it's never been easier now. And and I talk like I'm ancient, but even, you know, when I started that business 7 years ago, 8 years ago, it just wasn't prevalent. Entrepreneur like it was very radical. Like people would be were very concerned that I left this job of which I was probably going to make in six figures and beyond to do this moving thing. Like my father didn't even call it by its actual name, the business that I ran until I made a million dollars. And, and, and I think it was just because everybody was so concerned, not to be mean or malicious, but I think it was just so concerning to people. So I'm, I'm happy that that has changed to a large degree. That there's, a, there's a path that people can visibly see to like, wow, you can make money doing little things online, even just side hustles. So that's a really profound difference from where we were before. Yeah, I started my entrepreneurial venture in 2007. So we had flip phones and no Facebook and I mean, it was belly to belly work. 
knocking on doors. And then when Facebook came and social media came, it really exploded our visibility and the ability to meet people, not just in our own local area. So how long did you do the moving company? Yeah. So that lasted, that ran uh, 2012. So we started when I was in college, like 2010, 2011. I didn't start it full-time until 2012. By 2014, we were a multimillionaire company. By 2016, I exited that business. And that was not my choice to exit that business. I got extremely ill, which we can get into. I was literally deathly ill. Doctors told me, if you keep running like this, you're going to be dead by 40. Got some pretty nasty diagnoses. And so we, we had, I literally had no choice. I had, to, I had to turn from that business and move on. And that's when I started the online venture. Okay. And I think sometimes our body gives us the messages that it needs, doesn't it, to slow down and, and pivot. But that's a whole different world going from yeah. belly to belly, knocking on doors, hanging up flyers to learning digital marketing. Tell me a bit about how you made that transition. Well, for one, we kind of did what you guys did, it sounds like. We really capitalized on, and part of the reason why the moving company grew the way that it did is because we were using digital marketing, like when it was like the wild, wild west. Like you could only really advertise on like the sidebar. There wasn't even like a news feed when we started advertising. Uh, so we really capitalized on that. I mean, we blogged like crazy. We put out really search rich content. Like we just did a great job. And that led to pretty much most of those opportunities was just us doing things that people in that space weren't doing. So my wife had started our social media in that business. And she had done such a tremendous job that people were using in town were like citing our pages as an example for other businesses to model. So all of a sudden people are calling us and be like, Hey, who does your social media? I'm like, well, my girlfriend who is now my wife. And so they're like, well, does she work for you? I'm like, no, she's just like, she's helping us because she's my girlfriend. She's being a good girlfriend. And they're like, well, we'd love to hire her or we'd love to like, so anyway, so she's taken on client work and we're kind of experiencing the rise of social media marketing, right? Uh, so by the time that I got, became ill and things were really trending downward and that's a whole nother story that was really devastating. And there was a comedy of things that are just really, really challenging. But I was like, you know, uh, I'm really sick. My doctors are like, you need to take it easy. Like you've been under tremendous amount of stress. That growth, growth requires so much. Like it sounds exciting to go from launch to 1.2 that fast. But in that type business, it really just took a lot out of me. Growth requires a lot, especially when you don't know what you're doing and you've never done it before. It's really a lot. So doctors like, look, we want you to take some time off. We want you to really kind of, you know, relax and, you know, have a low stress environment. All right. So I'm like, okay, well, she's now exploded. She went from uh, working with clients into offering courses, right? To teach people how to run their business, how to market their business, primarily online businesses. So she kind of paved the way in that regard. And then I just kind of fell into it afterwards. So I launched my podcast as soon as, you know, the business, the moving business was over. I launched my podcast, which is now Startup You Podcast, by the way. Since since I think we talked about me coming on the show, we've rebranded to Startup You Podcast, but I just want to make that amendment. Started it at the time Entrepreneur Hour, now Startup You. Within two weeks, the show was trending top five in the world on New and Noteworthy on iTunes at the time uh, under business, health, and education, which is not expected at all. Um, and we use that to leverage some big guests. We've landed three of the sharks from Shark Tank, Jack Canfield, Marie Forleo, if you're in the online space, uh, Dave Asprey, Guy Kawasaki, Grant Cardone. I mean, a lot of really big names. And I hate mentioning names because I always forget one that's like such an, an impactful person in my life. And so that was like, we've got something here. Now, how do we do something with that? Uh, so we started to kind of offer different, I started coaching, but then now we've started to kind of transition into, okay, I think I can offer courses myself. So kind of the same trajectory that she was on, like first service provider and then move to course creator. And I think that's an important thing that people do is they take those seasons in stride versus try to jump straight to course creator. I think too many people go from like, I'm leaving my job and I want to create courses. And it's like, but you don't understand the nuance of how to do that and how to coach somebody or how to be face-to-face and really understand the market, immerse yourself enough 
to be able to just start getting the, the scale iteration of what that looks like. So that's what I did. I just rolled up my sleeves. Uh, I, I, at first it was like what I could do because I was really, really sick. So it was like, let me help my wife with her business. Let me be a knowledge worker for her. I'll do the podcast. I was doing like one a week. And so it's like an hour of my time and then slowly started to take on clients and slowly started getting involved with accelerated programs. Uh, but ultimately now kind of trending in the direction of creating my own courses as well. Awesome. I, I feel like that is a, a beautiful transition from taking what you have learned over the years and then being able to give it back to society. I feel like with my experience over a decade of entrepreneurship, it feels selfish, right? To like just sit sure. on it. <laughs> yeah, I know for sure. Tell me a bit about why you believe it's important to do the work with clients face-to-face, -face, getting in the trenches before yeah. you become a teacher. Yeah, so this is so important because I always tell people you can't, you can do the steps faster, but you can't skip the steps, right? And part of the steps is total immersion in your market. And you can see that. So for example, and, and I, I always give examples like this, when when you really decide to work with somebody. So now the, the problem is, is that most people know within a matter of seconds, I think it's like 83% of people make a decision of whether or not they'll do business with you within three seconds. So you've got a very short window of time to convince somebody that you're the right person that they should be working with. The problem is, is that when you don't have that face-to-face -face interaction with people and you don't have deep immersion in your market, you don't really understand your avatar profiles, meaning you don't understand your target audience to a degree that you know their objections and or how to counter those objections with the power words that resonate with them nearly to the degree that you need to, right? So you should be to the point, and this happened with the moving company. This was how in-depth I got with our customers because I, look, people think I just went from, you know, hey, I'm just hanging out in an office while my guys are out doing moves. No, no, no. I spent years, hundreds of moves out in the field doing the moves myself so much to the point that I have customers would say to us in front of my guys, because I was recently graduated from college myself. And they would say, now it's important that you stay in school so that when you grow up and you graduate, you don't have to keep doing this anymore. And my guys are with me in the field. They're like, this is his business. And I like, they're just bloodshot red and like really embarrassed. But the thing is you need to, and I think some people won't do this. Everybody's willing to pursue their dreams. They're afraid to be seen getting started. And so I think we're not willing to just be like, what's the most basic iteration of my business? Like, even if it's at the farmer's market, like I'm literally just there, just having face-to-face -face interaction, trying to sell whatever it is that I'm trying to sell, or I'm at a local BNI chapter, or I'm at a networking group. And I'm really like practicing and talking about what it is that I do. And we're looking and responding to how people are reacting, verbal and nonverbal cues to what it is that you do, or what is you present or understanding their major challenges and problems in the market. The issue is, is that when we don't do that work and we just go to, hey, uh, and this is, so I, I love a lot of the online influencers. Like I think they're great. And I think they've created a lot of awareness of entrepreneurship online. And there's a couple that come to mind immediately. And I'm sure you're thinking about the same ones that I'm thinking about. The problem is, is that they've kind of advocated for whoever puts them out the most content is the one that wins. And, and I don't disagree with that. The problem is, is that a lot of people get in the hamster wheel of just putting out stuff. And it comes from here. And for those that are listening, not watching, I'm pointing in my head. It comes from you. It doesn't come from the market. And so you might think something's great. You might think your baby is beautiful. You might think all these various things, but there's so many variables to be tested and you may be getting likes and engagement, but it's not hitting people to the degree that they're going to move to do business with you. And moreover, and more importantly, they're not looking at the data or the analytics to say, this platform is actually driving traffic to my business. It's actually making me money because likes and engagement comments do not pay the bills. So I think we've kind of got things a little bit backwards. And I think some people, uh, they're not necessarily going through those steps, the steps that I describe in the order they should in totally immersing themselves in understanding that part of the process. First, understanding the market, first really identifying and creating and crafting what an ideal client avatar profile looks like, and then building your marketing assets around those things 
using then platforms like social media to drive traffic to said sources that you've already crafted and created that will immediately and readily combat the objections that they're going to have and speak to them to create a level of trust and build a relationship on an instantaneous basis so that in those three seconds you do have to capture somebody, you're putting forth your best foot. You're giving yourself the best possible chance. The problem is when you don't do that, you're competing with everybody else. So everybody has just kind of like a convoluted message and nobody's like really hitting the one thing that everybody actually needs in that particular market. So the way you cut through the noise, a lot of people are like, well, the market's saturated. I'm like, great. Then you get defined. You get really refined on what it is that you actually do and how you can cut through the noise. Because here's the deal. Saturation in the market just creates more opportunity for you to do what they're not doing. How are you different than what they're doing? Because I can look at all of those other people and those social media people I reference, those big influencers and say, hey, guess what? You've tried this. There's a reason it's not working. And this is why. And they say, oh my gosh, I've done all those things. I've done the hamster wheel and it didn't work. I want to hear what this guy has to say, right? So it's a matter of really dialing in and really spending the time. The person that invests themselves the most and understanding their market and really understand and continuing to educate themselves while doing the work, the work is absolutely important. You can't just, you can't say, well, I read a book today. And so thus I'm growing my business because there are professional learners and they need to be kicked into motion, right? But if you can couple those two together, right? Really get in front, getting face-to-face with your target audience, understanding who those people are, and then coupling the hard work with that in the direction that you should be doing it, doing those steps in the way you should be doing them, you will cut through the noise instantaneously and you will rise to the top above all else. And moreover, you will create even more trust because people will notice that the people that they were listening to don't know near to the degree that you know, because they, you understand them better than anybody else. Right. Amazing. Amen. Mic drop. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was an amazing way to describe it because I, I've been in our company for about 15 years and I often say that it took me, you know, 10, they say 10,000 hours to become an expert, 10,000 hours of following up with leads, of talking on sales calls, of going door to door, of knocking on on, and doing Facebook ads and, and doing the things that really gave me the chance to practice the chance to try new verbiage, to try new spins and see what really works with people. And I think that that's, where you then can become an expert. You can try, you can practice, you can switch things up. And then when you get what works, you can double down yeah. on it. Yeah, I think one of the challenging things, and this is just came to my mind, so I want to speak it while it's, while it's there because I feel like it's a relevant message and it really helped me a lot is we compare our today to someone else's tomorrow. And I think that's the biggest negative of social media is we look at where everybody else is and where where they are now in their journey, right? And then we think, oh, well, we have to be doing Facebook ads or we have to be doing whatever. And I'm not dismissing the importance of doing those things because it is really important. But the fact of the matter is just like, we haven't nailed the basics ourselves yet. And I think to a degree, part of what was beautiful about the moving company build is that I spent very little time on social media, right? Like I was spending face-to-face time with my customers and I actually went out in the street, downtown Athens, Georgia, and was interviewing people about what they wanted. But I, I don't think that I was so immersed in watching like, what's Gary Vee doing? Or what's this? Like, it, it, it's so much of a distraction because you're watching the trailer reel of their lives, not necessarily the actual reality, like the behind the scenes footage of what actually goes on. And so I think we, we find ourselves just trying to do all these things that we pick up from people online versus like analyzing, okay, what's the next step in my immediate business? Like, what's the next step for me in this season versus me trying to be what Gary Vee or somebody has built over the, over the last 15, 20 years? Yeah, absolutely. We can get in consumption mode rather than creation mode. And then we're um, looking left and looking right rather than really creating our own plan. So tell me a bit about the courses you have now and what do you teach people? A lot of what we're talking about, actually. So Startup U was, the inception of Startup U was, I was just experiencing so many things with the moving company build that I was like, man, I, I can't tell you many times I said this, Denise. I was like, if I had known this six months ago, I would have avoided such a headache. And so I said, I wish I'd learned this in school. 
I'm just going to create a school one day. And so this was my iteration of creating a school. And that's why it started up you like university was just making sure that I was providing resources to people that really wanted to go through and do those resources, but also to crystallizing it in a way that we could create predictable, at least more predictable outcomes, right? Like we could give you an actual roadmap to say, okay, when I say you have to, you have to take the steps, right? You can't skip the steps. What does that mean? Like, that sounds great, but like, what does that actually mean? So our, our flagship program is called Startup Launch Factory, and it basically helps you do just that. It's like, okay, here's the deal. I want you doing all those things. Like, I, I, I have no problem with Instagram. It doesn't drive CTR. And I think people are too, they romanticize the, the engagement on Instagram, which by albeit now the, the algorithm has changed and it's not nearly what it once was, which is what always happens. We saw it happen in 2013. People were literally losing their businesses when Facebook changed their algorithms. So it's like, there's this repetitive cycle of like new platform, everybody's excited, engagement's crazy. They spend their whole life on it. They build a business on it. And then the algorithms change and they're like, oh my God, what do I do now? Right? So it's like, okay, but what do those steps actually look like? Like, how do you, when I tell people that we built a multi-million dollar company, I think they assume that like, I just had a viral video or like, we just exploded on Facebook and we had all these, you know, and it's like, I think I collectively had like 1200 followers on between Twitter and Facebook, which were the primary platforms back then. It, like, it wasn't that it wasn't, it was, it was literally building a business first, right? Doing what that looks like first and then finding what we call the river of opportunity. So other traffic sources that already exist now that we're creating our own, how do we tap into those? So like in, in 2013, I believe we ran like $400 for the Facebook ads, which is nothing. But I think we generated like $25,000 in revenue just from that because we were just really dialed in on what we needed to say and what you look like. Now that's not possible now because Facebook has changed and costs are a lot higher than they once were. This was the wild, wild west. My point is this though, I think with, with Startup Launch Factory, we've literally taken you through the process of first understanding the market, understanding like all the things I talked about, understanding the market, understanding the ideal client avatar profiles, and then using that, and this is the part that really wows people, using that data in a way that we can regurgitate that now. So there's no reason for you to try to come up with your own marketing message. Like there's really no reason. I see people that like, they sit down and they're like, okay, I'm gonna make a sales page. I'm gonna make a landing page. Like, what do I want it to say? And they're trying to tap into like their creative genius zone. And I'm not dismissing that that's not important. But the fact of the matter is this, you don't have to do that. You're making it harder than you have to. What you, all you have to do is this. And this is literally the simplicity of entrepreneurship is this, and people make it way too hard. Find a, find a problem in the market, come up with a solution that's viable. Problem solutions. A lot of times I think we come up with stuff that we think is cute and fancy and new and whatever and sexy. And it's like, that's not what entrepreneurship is. I started a moving company, okay? Like that's certainly not what I went to college for, but we saw a huge need in the market. And what that need was, was college kids during their transitional summer months didn't want middle-aged men, for better or for worse, coming into their homes. And more importantly, their parents didn't want them coming into their apartments either because they weren't there. So having their peers come in instead of some middle-aged man was more appealing to them. So we just provided and filled the need for an underserved market. And that had us explode because they're like, oh, I know Steven, guy that worked for me, a random person. I don't even know if I had a Steven, probably did. Um, I know him. He's in my history class. He, I would rather him come move me than some guy I've never met before that is old enough to be my dad. That's a little creepy or whatever, right? Like that. So with our marketing, it's the exact same equation. It's what does my market want? And then when I'm going to, to sell that, it's regurgitating back literally the same conversations that you have with that market, right? And if you, and I always recommend 10 to 15 in-person deep dive interviews with people with your market when you're starting a business. And obviously you're going to continue to expand upon that over time, but at least 10 to 15 to start, right? And ask them what their biggest challenges are as it relates to whatever, right? So if your business is a moving company, like thinking about your last move, what was your biggest challenge with that move? And they're going to go on and on and on. And you, your job is to shut up and listen, right? You want to ask questions, but you don't want to guide the conversation. 
education. Like some people will do this exercise and they're like, so what if there was a moving company that had college students and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, and they'd say, oh yeah, well, I guess I would do like, no, no, no. You guided that conversation. Like you need to see where they actually take you organically in that conversation. I recommend recording these conversations too, because then you can go back and glean so much insight. But I, every time I'm launching a new product or anytime I'm launching a new business, I, that's what I do. The first thing I do is just, I just have a lot of conversations. I do a lot of interviews, right? And I'll, maybe I send out surveys. And then what I do is I look at the most common themes that are popping up, right? What are the biggest objections? What are the biggest challenges? And I'm gonna, I'm gonna literally take those out, highlight those, take those out and put them into my sales copy, right? And I'm gonna put the, probably my main headline is gonna be what they cite is their single biggest challenge. The, the, the main, like if it's 80% of the time they're saying that's the single biggest challenge, like boom, right? So that, that literally it's that, it's that simple. And then more importantly, you can actually do this. And this is like a, like a pro tip here. If you're selling an online course, some of the biggest objections that people have, you wrap those up into your bonuses because here's the deal, logic, We'll sell the program in some cases, but we all know emotion is the biggest mover. That's what moves the needle, right? So if you can counter the objections, that's like the ultimate slam dunk because they will logically say, yes, I should do this program. The bonuses will help them make the emotional decision, right? And so that puts them over the scale. So, so for example, I'll give you an example because I think it's going to be helpful in this situation. So my recent program, Startup Launch Factor, as we're talking about, one of the things that we noticed was there were a couple of things that were popping up a lot in, in our talks with people about why I haven't started. Like when it comes to starting your business, what's your single biggest challenge, right? So there are all the other things, all the nuance and the mechanics and stuff like that. But what we found was three major things that were like really overwhelming them about not starting their business. The first one was traffic. How do I get traffic to my website? The sec second one was, I know I need to build an email list, but I have no idea how to do that. Uh, and the third was, I'm a little bit intimidated by WordPress. I have no idea. Like that seems really overwhelming to build a website. So what do we do? Those were our three main bonuses. The first one is no traffic, no problem. We have a Facebook ads workshop. We're going to help you build one Facebook ad. It helps you get traffic to your site, even if you have no traffic at all right now. Even if you don't have a blog, if you have social media, nothing. We can get you traffic literally in the next five to 10 minutes. The next is lead magnet workshop, right? You have no lead magnet. I don't even know what a lead magnet is. How do I, what do I do with that? You have, you have zero email list, no list, no problem. Great. We're gonna help you develop a lead magnet that you can send traffic to. So now you got your traffic covered. Now you've got a way to get your traffic into an email list. Awesome. Okay, here's the problem now, but I have a lead magnet, but I, I don't know how to do WordPress. Okay, great. No no landing page, no problem, right? We're gonna help you develop something even without a website. You can go to leadpages.com right now and build a one lead page and that's it. And that's all you need. That's literally all you, you don't even need a website. We have people literally that will have thousands of customers, hundreds at least, literally with no website, just a single landing page. So that immediately destroys a lot of their objections where they're like, they see immediately an immediate path to revenue or immediate path to making progress. And then they'll say, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I needed. Because we literally just pulled that data from what they told us that were their biggest objections to starting their business or the biggest concerns or the biggest points of overwhelm that they experience. So when they get to that part, and let's say you're wrapping up in a webinar and your sales pages, your sales copy, what have you, all you're doing is objections or opportunities for you to slam dunk the sale. But I think sometimes we get so scared about the objections that we try to like get cute about working around it or what have you. And it's like, no, 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 use it to close the sale. Objections mean you're close. The last thing you want in a sale is apathy. If they don't care, if they're indifferent, then you, you have no shot. So when you get objections, that's great. That's your chance to create a solution that is going to move the needle to make more sales. So I think sometimes we get a little bit discouraged when we get objections. My challenge to people would be, what's your opportunity in those objections? Because that's a challenge for you to create something that is going to move them to become customers. I love this. All of this really aligns because when you are spending time with your ideal client, those 10,000 hours, you're becoming an expert and really learning what they need. Then you're using that for your copy. You're using that for your lead page, for your emails, for your programs. Um, and then you can, you're connecting with them on logic and emotion, right? You're uh, appealing to the how to, right? How to is the logic, but then you're also appealing to the fear 
that comes up because of course any sort of change is a little bit fearful so you're appealing to those objections as well right right and it also helps too with their transformation some people they try to sell too much of the the they don't focus on the benefit and the transformation they focus on the features right like no one if you saw an online course know this no one woke up this morning and said today i'm going to buy an online course nobody like they're not on facebook thinking i'm going to buy an online course today but they are there to lose 25 pounds before spring break. They are there to leave their nine to five that they hate or to get out from working from a boss that drives them crazy or to be able to work from home and have the ability to be a mother and also a career woman. Like that's the transformation you have to focus on. But so many of us, again, this is part of falling in love with your product, but also uh, uh, falling in love with your idea versus what the market is dictating is we're like, oh, well, I have 25 modules. And each one of those lessons is 35 minutes. And here are, you know, all the resources we're going to give you. And, and it's like, okay, that's great. Like that makes a logical argument. That's fantastic. But you're not going to grab them with that. Like no one knows what your five-step organ, home organizing blueprint looks like, nor do they care. What you need to do is why does that matter to their lives? What's the transformation that's going to deliver to them that requires every ounce of their attention right now? It was actually just found, I'm reading a book, um, actually it's right here in front of me. It's called it's called uh, The Conversion Code. I recommend it if you're like just starting out with online business, I recommend it. But he talks about how, I think it was on landing pages specifically, I think he said the amount of time from 2012 to now, I'm not mistaken, in the last 10 years, I know that for sure, at the time he wrote the book, which I think was recently. Uh, he said, the amount of time people spend on a blog or a landing page has gone down four seconds from 12 seconds to eight seconds. Again, so we talked about before, people hit your website, they make a decision within three seconds to do business with you. Now we've lost four seconds on landing pages and blogs. So the point is, is that you've got to be so dialed in. What is going to get them to stay? What is going to get them to continue to read on that page is have you hit them with a transformation, the ultimate benefit of what they're seeking to such a degree that the curiosity of what that would look like for their lives, like they're already envisioning what their life could look like just by your headline. If you don't nail the headline, it's game over. And that headline has to include some transformation, not a feature, not a, a 25 lesson course, right? It has to be a transformation. It has to be an ultimate benefit that grabs into such a degree. And my mentor tells me this, Ryan Levesque, he's fantastic, but he tells me this. Well, everybody, not just me, not just me personally, but this is what he teaches. He's like, you need to imagine a guy that is just, you know, obese, sitting on his couch, Cheetos all over his chest, hasn't gotten up, you know, watching movies all day long. And they're like, just completely, un, you know, completely demotivated in life. Like, not, you know, not motivated at all about to, to do anything, not ambitious, whatever. Your argument and what you present in your headline needs to be so compelling that that's the person you're going to get up off this, the couch and run to get his wallet and, and sign up for your program. Like if, if you read it and that's not the degree of excitement that you've created, you're not there yet with your copy. You're just not there yet. And moreover, you're probably not there yet with really understanding who your market is. Right. And I think those go, those two go really hand in hand. Right. Absolutely. You have spent the last several years building and creating a digital startup you working with clients and courses, but you had to do it differently, meaning you couldn't go down the same health trajectory that you went down the first time. Uh, you couldn't burn yourself out again. You kind of knew what it was like to burn the, you know, does it burn the stick at both ends? Whatever um, so I was burning, I was burning all over the place. <laughs> you were on fire. <laughs> <laughs> I had bonfires in my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it, it's interesting to say, all right, I'm going to do this again, but I'm going to do it in a way that is yeah. healthy for me and my relationships. How did you build a business and stay sane in the process? I think there's, it's important to provide a little bit of context here. My health issue has been prevalent, has been prevalent my entire life. It's been a pervasive issue my entire life. I, I didn't know it. I was misdiagnosed. It was, first it was asthma, then it was ADD, then it was some anxiety and depression and stuff like that. But it all ended up 
coming to a head uh, when I was 29. Um, and they basically, basically I, I ran a bunch of labs and they said, you've got one of the most severe cases of intestinal dysbiosis we've seen in 35 years of practice for someone your age, right? So effectively what that means is you have a, a microbiome, right? That lives inside of your gut. And there's a balance that you need to keep between good bacteria and bad bacteria, right? It's literally living organisms, thousands and thousands, trillions, trillions that live inside. You actually have more nerve endings, it's crazy, more nerve endings in your gut than you do in your spinal column, which is bizarre. And there's this thing called the vagus nerve that communicates directly with your brain. So all of those anxiety and depression and focus issues and stuff like that were coming from a very unhealthy gut unbeknownst to me, right? And that started with heavy antibiotic use when I was younger. I didn't breastfeed for a long period of time when I was born. So all of these things, and then I got to college and drank and I didn't eat right, fast food, like all the things that we, we do in our, on what we call a sad diet, standard American diet, AKA the stupid American diet. Um, and then throwing stress of a startup on top of that really creates just like, I mean, it was the perfect storm in a lot of ways, right? So anyways, uh, one thing that I really did in the first business was I worked really, really hard. Like my goal was like, I'm just gonna outwork everybody, right? Like I'll work, however, I was working 18, 20 hour days, no problem. So I wouldn't eat, I would just drink monsters, the resealable cat monsters and just keep pushing through. And then every time, um, you know, I think I got to a challenge. I was like, well, we're almost there. Like, like happiness and health and, and all those things uh, and a good marriage and all that stuff was a destination. And I think the thing you learn quickly is that entrepreneurship is a journey. Entrepreneurship is a lifestyle. It's not a career. And so if you, anything you think as far as how long it's going to take or how much it's going to cost to do what you're doing with your business, probably add a multiple of at least three or four, right? Like it's going to take way longer than you think. It's going to cost way more than you think. It's going to, you have to make sacrifices. You never, so the bottom line is this, is you have to take affordable steps and that includes your health that includes your personal life. And that includes in your business. Growing fast is amazing, but it's a vanity metric, right? Like hitting a million dollars. If I could go back and say, yeah, we grew uh, 15 to 20% annually. And that's even really aggressive growth for 10 years, I would rather do that than a thousand percent growth from year one to year two. Like I almost hate that I'm introduced that way some in some time, some occasions, because I think it sends people the wrong message of what success actually should look like. I'm not saying growth is not as a problem, but I also think though that there's a, there's an incubation period where you really need to understand, like, here's a foundation of how I can do the things that I do well. That includes my health. That includes my, my, my spiritual life, whatever it is you believe in. That includes my relationships and that includes my business, right? And my physical health. So I think all of those things kind of come together. And what I have learned post that issue, and by the way, I was able to completely reconcile the, that health issue naturally. I did not want to go the pharmaceutical route because my dad had Crohn's and I saw him with the steroid and the prednisone. And like, I didn't want that for my life. Not at 29 years old. I don't want a lifetime of drugs. That's crazy. So I reverse it completely naturally. And I had to rebuild a foundation of like, what does health look like? What does balance look like? I, counterbalance. I like counterbalance better than balance because entrepreneurs have to operate in extremes. It's just the nature of it. So ultimately what you end up doing is you create something, you learn what habits look like, you invest yourself in how the most successful people do what they do. You learn that your business is a success because it's the beneficiary of you doing the things that beget success in anything that you do, right? It applies to uh, your, your personal growth at the gym. It applies to your marriage. It applies literally to everything is how am I continuing to better myself and equip myself to be successful at anything I apply myself to, right? Learning how to learn, learning how to develop new habits, learning how to uh, have some, some um, self-care time, right? Like, what do you do? Do you meditate every day? Do you, what does that practice look like for you? So I think we have gotten in such of a go, go, go society, type A driver. I get that. I'm probably the most type A driver person you will ever meet. I have, ten, I have now shifted towards focusing on, okay, I have the same 24 hours as everybody else, right? Like, sure, I can out willpower everybody and just work 24 hours, but even then I'm still have a cap, right? Or I can be smarter with how I work, right? Or I can optimize how I work. I can choose to look at my time off as uploading time, not off time, right? So I've really tried to, and I do all kind of crazy biohacking and I wear all kind of devices and stuff like that. So I'm constantly 
hacking my sleep, hacking my diet, hacking my health, like doing all this stuff. I follow these crazy people. I eat all this stuff. People would be like, how do you eat the foods that you eat? I don't understand that. But if you have big goals, if you have big ambitions, you have to match that with intention. For me, that intention is making sure that I'm doing all these things in my personal life so that I don't get so far out of alignment like I did before. That was the problem with me is I was so far out of alignment that it took radical realignment for me to have any level, massive counterbalance, as Gary Keller describes it, and I prefer massive counterbalance, four years of counterbalance for me to get back to a point where my body was like, okay, I can do this again, right? And throughout that process, kind of learning, okay, what does the strategic part look like of building a business? Not just what does the brute force part of it look like that I did so much in the previous business. So I don't know if I answered your question directly, but it really just involves investing in you. You are the number one asset to your business until you hit 10, 20, $30 million. And many of us will never ever see that point. That's just the reality of it until that point comes. And that depends on the model too. If you're an online business doing $5 million, you are in great shape because of the margins are just tremendous. But more like more than likely, if you remove yourself, your business is game over. That's what happened with me in the moving company. It was game over. I was the glue, the engine, the wheels, everything. And so when I went down, my health, the business was ready to sprint and I was barely crawling. I mean, I was literally barely crawling. So the business just dies. So we don't, it's funny, we would never feed our business beer and pizza. We'd be like, oh my God, no, like that's stupid. My business wouldn't thrive on that. But yet that's what we feed ourselves, metaphorically speaking, right? Like we don't invest in the asset that is us. You are the most important asset. And yet we treat our employees better than we treat ourselves in many cases. Like we have expectations out of ourselves that we don't have for the people that we employ or even the people we outsource to. We make exceptions and excuses and all these various things. We say, oh, that's crazy. I can't ask you to work 50 hours a week. That's ridiculous. And yet we're working 90. Like somehow we're immune to the same standards that we impose upon other people. So we have to get that right. We have to take affordable steps. We have to slow down and be smarter because at the end of the day, a lot of us are doing a lot of things and it's unnecessary. If we just sharpen the ax before we swing, we can cut through a lot of that. If we do the things that we're supposed to do and focus on that season of our life, what is the next viable step in that season? Not necessarily what's the, the ultimate iteration and how do I get there as quickly as possible? How do I conquer this specific season? How would I conquer the challenges right in front of me? How do I make sure that I have a roadmap that's feasible and realistic versus one that's just, I'm going to kill myself to get there no matter what. And I think a lot of us are specifically the type A's. It's so hard for us to pull our, our, our foot off the pedal. And that's great. And you shouldn't lose that. And you should have that channeled into something more productive and positive. But I think we also have to really respect the journey versus just waiting for that destination. I love that. If, if, if we don't have our health, right, that's the foundation of all of it. It's game um, over. It, exactly. Exactly. You don't have the energy or the focus or the motivation and drive to continue to take steps if we're not taking care of ourselves first. Right. I often, when people that would ask me, what do you do? Tell me what you do. If I were a fly on your wall, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? And so all of my content is how to be. <laughs> mm. Because I thought, you know what I mean? I can give the eight people the same script and they're exactly. all going to have different results based on who they be when they send it. And so exactly. having that space to be before you do and really get into that alignment makes what you do more powerful. Yeah. I'm so glad you say that, Denise, because uh, I'm sure you've experienced this as, as well. But for those that maybe haven't heard you say this, I think sometimes we get infatuated with the X's and O's and the X's and O's are like so important. Like, again, and this is not mitigating the significance of the X's and O's, but oftentimes I think what, what we'll find and what I find is that it's the X's and O's, but coupled with the personal breakthrough, like the personal breakthroughs are what really is the big catalyst. You know, like I, like sometimes I, I, I know the things and I'm just like, why have I been missing this for six months? Like it was literally staring me in the face, but it was some shift or maybe I just took some time off or maybe I just spent some more time with God or whatever the case may be where I just personally kind of made a breakthrough myself mentally. And I do NLP work. And I do all this stuff to make those 
happen, create the opportunity for that to happen more often. And when I do that, I'm like, oh my gosh, like how have I, like, honestly, Chris, like how, how have you been missing this? Like this was so, I was literally smacking you in the face. How are you missing this? And I think our heads are down and we're putting so much work in and we're so much in the hamster wheel that sometimes we're doing all the things. We're just missing the one thing because we're not taking the time to have that intention or that bandwidth to really like analyze what we're doing and be like, okay, what should I be doing here? And I need to reassess the situation or what's missing with me. And I think listening to your intuition and your gut and being like, yeah, you know, something doesn't feel right. Like, like I'm just not where I should be. I'm not enjoying my work like I once did, or I'm really feeling pulled or stressed or anxious. And like, rather than look at those as uh, red flags or a, as a compass, right, to guide us back onto that right path, we just tend to try to bury it. It's like, well, more coffee or, well, you know, just, I just need to ignore this or, you know, whatever. And it's just like, no, 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 you, you, you in the infinite wisdom, that is what you believe in and in your own intuition. Uh, I feel like sometimes maybe this is just an American thing. We don't lean into that maybe as much as we should. And sometimes I feel like those are what cause the biggest breakthroughs. If not, it is what causes the biggest breakthroughs in your business. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Two last questions for you. What would you say is a foundational book that you would recommend to new entrepreneurs on the line? The One Thing by Gary Keller. That's an easy one. That is my favorite business book of all time. You read that book, you will have the blueprint to success. It is my favorite, favorite, favorite business book of all time. Awesome. Awesome. And then my last question, because you you are a biohacker, you have um, uh, created healthy habits and are consistently leveling yourself up. What is one thing that you do every day that you couldn't live without? Ooh, God, just one thing? Or like a ritual, a habit, something that you do. Okay. Maybe there's a few things in that ritual. <laughs> Okay. So for one, uh, sleep is the foundation. Like you've got to nail your sleep, right? That's a must. And I, and I, I would recommend, I wear this device called the Garmin. It's the Vivo or Vivo smart, depending on how gringo you are, how you want to pronounce it. But it's the Vivo. I call it the Vivo smart four. It's some people call it the Vivo smart four. It's a hundred dollar device. It literally is going to measure your, what's called your HRV score, which is a, the best closest measurement we have to stress on the body, right? So if you're a type A really driven entrepreneur, you're going to be pretty high, high strung out, right? Most of the time. So this thing will literally nudge you and be like, Hey bud, you're a little stressed right now. Take some breathing exercises. It also rolls this thing up and called a body battery. So it'll tell you literally, it's no different than the battery on your phone, right? I'm showing my phone right now. When you see that it's at 42% and you didn't charge it the night before, you're like, mm, I better have a charger nearby or I better do something. I can't go crazy and not. So it, it, it literally does the same thing for your body. So you know days that you can push versus days you can't push. That's gonna really help you be good every single day, not just great every once in a while. You may be operating at a body battery that's like a 15 for a long, long time because you're just stressed, not taking care of yourself, not getting adequate rest, not getting adequate sleep, and you have no idea. So if you don't know those things, it's it, it's it's like running around not knowing how much gas you have in your car. Like it's you're just running a really dangerous game, like blindly. So that's another one that's huge. Uh, the next is movement, right? So in, in any in any shape, and I don't mean like go to the gym and go crazy. Like literally 7,500 steps a day minimum is what you should be getting. That could just be walking your dog twice a day. That's about what, two miles, I think roughly. I think about 3,000 is about a mile, something like that. 2,500, something like that. Uh, so two and a half miles a day, just get, get your body moving. It's actually found that stay-at-home moms in many cases are healthier than people that actually go to the gym just because they're always active up on their feet, moving around this and that, walking all over the house, but they're not going to the gym doing anything crazy. So just move around, get that going. And then lastly, obviously, this one's going to be a pretty obvious one for most people is diet, right? So I go to pretty extraordinary lengths. Uh, I eliminate a lot of uh, rancid oils, oils that don't have, that, that have a high, um, that basically it's called a, it's called a smoke rate. Basically like if they get higher than a certain temperature, they become broken. When they become broken, they end up effectively doing all kinds of things in the body that are just not good. So you can look into that. I definitely recommend this. If you want to explore further, some of like the health and wellness and diet tricks and biohacks and stuff like that. There's a book that I live by. If we're talking about things that I live by, uh, called boundless, it's like a 700 page encyclopedia book. It's by Ben Greenfield. 
Ben is a super nerd when it comes to health and wellness, but he's a go-to source because I love that he just like pursues the nuance as it relates to human optimization and health and wellness. Um, and that will help you out a lot. That'll give you like things to eat, things not to eat, things to focus on, like if you have certain issues. And then I guess as a pro tip, so that's, you're gonna read Boundless. That's that's a great one. At least have it at your disposal. There's like certain chapters you can just, you don't have to read cover to cover, just go to certain chapters as it relates to your needs. And then as a pro tip, something I'd recommend is some as a test called Viome. And that's V like Victor, I-O-M-E. Now I'm a lab nerd when it comes to this. So I spend... My wife and I, between us, we spend like $10,000 a year on labs and we do all kinds of extensive stuff. So we're looking at the way our body processes amino acids. We're looking at our, our gut health and permeability. We're looking at all of our markers, male comprehensive, female comprehensive. We're doing basically every, any cavity of our body we're testing in some way, whether it's urine, saliva, wh- whatever, like we're, we're testing in some way to get those meaningful data markers from our body to see like what's truly going on. However, I don't expect people to come flying out of the gates and go spend thousands of dollars and work with somebody in functional medicine, right? If you are going to go that route, try to find an MD that also is in funk med, right? So go to ifm.org, find an MD, like a medical doctor that also is cross-trained in functional medicine. So if you do want to go the full route, go that route. However, for those that are just getting started, one thing I recommend is the Viome test. Again, that's V like Victor, I-O-M-E. Viome is like sub $200 and it'll literally give you a 108 page report. And it's going to tell you is the way your body is responding to the foods that you're putting in it. And the reason that's important is this. There's so many people out there that are just not eating fast food. They're not drinking soda. For all intents and purposes, they are eating quote unquote healthy. And by general rule, they're eating healthy. The problem is this. We have bastardized our world in such, such a way. Uh, we, we have environmental toxins. We have various added ingredients in our foods. We have all these things that you have, you might have, you might be to a point where your body is compromised and you're having uh, an inflammatory response to foods that are actually what would be deemed healthy foods. So I'll give you an example. I was a big avocado fan. I still am. I would have an avocado for breakfast every year for a year and a half. Ancestrally speaking, we were hunter gatherers, meaning it would be very hard for you to eat avocados year round. So we would cycle on and off foods as it relates to when they were available. Now, since we mass produce everything, that's not the case. You develop a food sensitivity to those things. Viome is going to tell you, A, what does your healthy bacteria rates look like inside your gut, right? As I talked about. So you need those things because literally you might have an issue where you're overweight, but it's being dictated by the gut bacteria in your gut because that'll regulate how you're storing body fat. That's ridiculous. But you might be killing yourself at the gym and not losing weight because your gut bacteria. That's bananas to me. You might not be able to focus or you might be unmotivated in your business or demotivated rather because of the, the, your microbiome. Like that's, it, it literally dictates the second brain of the body. It dictates everything. You need to know what's going on. If you fix the gut, if you heal and seal the gut, you'll fix everything. It'll literally have a chain reaction on the rest of your body. Similarly to how it had a chain reaction to me negatively (laughs) on my body when I didn't have those in order. So this will give you not only what's going on in your body, it'll translate it for you. Because if you look at a labs that I take, you'd be like, I I don't, dude, I don't speak hieroglyphics. I can't even read this stuff. Like, what does this mean? It'll tell you exactly, do an interpretation for you. But on top of that, it gives you foods that you should stay away from, foods that are your superfoods and foods that are okay for you to consume. Now, some items are going to show up. Bell pepper is going to show up potentially, avocado, cashews, macadamia, on foods to avoid. And you're like, that's crazy. I would have never thought that. And so you're actually doing, having an inflammatory response, a negative response, an adverse response to foods that are actually healthy foods, just because where your body's at right now, not forever, doesn't mean you have to stay off them forever. It just means right now. So if you do that once a year, it's $200, literally cut your Netflix for a year and you've got it paid for. Um, now the way Netflix is raising the price, it's going to be a hundred dollars a month soon if you keep getting on the price the way they are. But 200 bucks, do it once or twice a year. You'll know exactly where you are. Rotate your foods. And I think what you're going to find is you're going to have the inflammation come down. You're going to feel a lot better. You're going to have a lot more mental clarity. You're going to ditch the, the brain fog. You're going to have so much motivation. You're going to have better workouts. Your sex life is going to be improved. You're going to experience so much 
So that's my early first step that I recommend people that I just could not live without when it comes to my health is data. Awesome. Awesome. I'm absolutely it's way more than you asked. I apologize. I love it. Well, you guys, this is gold. I hope you know <laughs> just how like what a wealth of information this is. I'm absolutely going to do that test. I've been trying to find a way outside of the medical community to get my blood drawn and figure out all that yeah. stuff. I'm yeah, doing there's a, a lot of labs. So there's one here. If you do want to go do a, so if you want to do an extra one, if you do Viome and then you want to do like a, like a comp, right? Which uh -huh. means a comprehensive. So that's going to get your, you're not going to get, you're going to get TSH. So you're not going to get a full scope of what's going on with your thyroid, but you will get some of like the macro numbers, right? So you'll get, um, you'll get some of your major deficiencies if you have any, like I can send you a list of all the things you get, but it's, it's like, for me, I get my testosterone numbers and stuff like that. But there are labs where you can go and spend like 200 bucks and they'll do like a male or female comp for you where they actually draw your blood, right? And you could just go there and you spend the money and they'll do it there for you. You don't even need a doctor's note. So the one I do here in Austin, I don't know if they're nationwide or not, is called Any Labs Test Now. Okay. Uh, and they're fantastic. But there usually are labs. Just look up like local labs near me on Google or something and just call me like, hey, like I want to get a, I want to get a male comp or a female comp and I want to add, you know, a little bit more in-depth thyroid panel or something like that. Uh, and for like two, 300 bucks, so like for 500 bucks total, which I know sounds like a lot. So if you don't want to do this one, this is a pro tip, an extra advanced bonus tip, uh, but that would give you both the blood work and it would give you, so to be clear, Viome is a stool test, which is kind of gross. I know it's going to take you a minute to get used to, um, but that way you'll get a lot of data, a lot of insights. In addition to just the stool, you also have your blood work as well, because that does help you to glean a little bit more data and information. Awesome. Awesome. I'm doing a bodybuilding competition in May. Nice. So I've been clean eating and sticking to the plan and all that kind of stuff. And what's interesting is when you eat clean, uh, which really just means whole foods, gluten-free, yeah. dairy-free, all that kind of stuff. And then you eat something that's not on that plan. You really are able to see. Yeah. For, so for example, I had a burger yesterday. It was my like refuel meat. Uh, meal. I had a burger and um, a baked potato and I wanted to take a nap. Now, mm. previously, I would not have noticed me feeling tired because yeah. I feel like we're all just inflamed and tired all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but once you really get your body fueling well, you you'll be it. able to notice these differences um, yep. and, and really shift the way that you uh, I'm, approach I'm food. so glad you say that, Denise. That's such an important, that's such an important point is that People ask how, how I do this, how I eat the way that I eat. And, and what you just said is so important. When you get to a point where you start feeling better, you start to look at foods that are not good for you as like not even food anymore. Because it's like, why would I eat this? It's going to make me feel like, like, why would I, you know, like, why would I do that? So it's just, it, you get to a point like anything else, like start slow and work your way up because you do get to the point where you just feel better that the intrinsic uh, perceived value of feeling good versus having that that dopamine hit of eating something that's not very good for you and then feeling like afterwards, it just outweighs it so much that it's not even a temptation anymore. Like I'm not any more disciplined or willpower, I'm sure you're not either, than anybody else. It's just you build through a crescendo to a point where like that scale has been tipped so far that it's just not even a temptation anymore. Yeah, yeah. I often say it's not about the discipline. It's really about me creating habits, right? Yes. Where I, I want to do these things and take exactly. this action and eat this food because I know how it makes me feel. Exactly. All right. Good luck well, on that competition. That's awesome. Thank you. I know it's an adventure. I turned 40. So I thought I need a, I need a good goal. <laughs> I love it. Um, well, you guys absolutely check up Chris's website. He's got heycmh.com. Is that still the website or did that? Yeah. Change? You can go to heycmh.com. That's the okay. easiest one to get to. Awesome. And he does have a freebie for you guys. It's called uscdownload.com. Talking all about what you need, um, your startup checklist. I'll put the link to that in the show notes below. But thank you guys so much for hanging out. Chris, thank you for continuing to say yes 
to your dream, for really not giving up even in the midst of despair at a low moment and really continuing to take those steps forward because you have a lot to offer this world. And we've learned a lot just from this hour. Thank, Thank you. you so much for Yeah. And I've got a quick way. ask, 27 seconds, guys. Oh, if, I would be eternally grateful if you'll do this for Denise. This requires a lot of work, a lot of sacrifice, a lot of time commitment and things that you don't even know. Like you're looking at the tip of the iceberg for what this requires to do this podcast for you, to provide free value to your life. It takes 27 seconds. Whatever podcast app you're on, go there, hit subscribe and leave a quick review. Even if you say great chat, that's all you have to say. Leave a five-star review because here's the deal. Apple podcasts, all these various podcast players, they look at two things. They don't look at downloads. They look at subscribers, new subscribers, and they look at reviews. If you do those two things, you're going to help Denise. It's like leaving a tip for your waiter or your waitress. So if you could do that for me, I would be eternally grateful to help Denise out. Oh, amen. I would be grateful as well. (laughs) Mm. Well, thank you guys so much. Thank you, Chris. It's been an awesome time connecting with you and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. I want to hear your aha moment from today's amazing episode. If you could leave a review at whatever podcast player you choose to listen from, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you're listening from, leave a review and share with us your favorite part of today's episode. Thanks for hanging out. And remember to dream big.